everybody. Welcome to another Comic Boom Comic Source collaboration. Here to talk to you today about a comic. It's only been released digitally so far. Comicsology, Comicsology Unlimited. Uh, it's a really great comic. Uh, it was. I had a blast reading it. I can tell that the creators are having a blast making it. It's called By a Thread. It's written by Scott Snyder and his son, Jack Snyder. Uh, incredible art by Valeria Favocia. And then Whitney Cougar is on colors. Tom Napolitano on letters. So... You know, I heard about this a few weeks ago. <laughs> Scott was talking about the fact that he got to do this with his son, which is always, it's always exciting, you know, as a father, uh, you know, parents out there, you know how cool it is to create something with your kids and, you know, just have something you can share with them. So whenever that happens, you know, I get excited for it. And I always fingers crossed that it's actually good, right? Because <laughs> while, while <laughs> Rocky and I were both fans of Scott Snyder, you know, we've been critical of his work in the past, especially his, his you know, the last kind of the last stuff he did at D.C., which we felt was kind of overblown and maybe too big of a story for the real estate that he had. But we've really been enjoying his creator own stuff that he's done recently in Comixology. Uh, he's done some stuff over at um, IDW. So we've really been enjoying that. So yeah, I had my fingers crossed that this was going to be good. So I read it when it came out Tuesday with my Comixology Unlimited uh, subscription, which is just a great value. You can read all of Scott's Comixology stuff. I think it's like four ninety five a month. There's thousands of other titles as well you can read there. Um, but basically for the price of a comic, you could get, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of digital comics, you can go and just buy it individually, but it, it costs almost as much as the subscription. So you might as well just go for the subscription. Right. Well, and then, and then there is a deal with dark horse where this stuff eventually uh, is printed. If you uh, prefer the hardcover, you're going to say something, Rocky. Yeah, I was going to say, how old is Jack? Jack Snyder. I mean, God, first of all, what a cool name. It sounds like he should be a secret agent or something. But how old yeah. is this kid? Because I got to say, he's fairly competent as a writer. How old is he? Yeah, you know, I think he's in his early teens. I want to say like 14, maybe 15. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've known Scott for a long time. So when I, when I first met him, his kids were rather young, but they're getting older now. Um and they, they have some of the same interests I do, baseball, they're big Yankee fans and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's great. Um, and Scott's generous enough. Some creators are very protective of their children. And I totally get it. They don't put their stuff up on social media. Scott shares um, a lot of pictures with, of his kids, his sons. He has three that, um, that he does stuff with, like, you know, goes on trips and, and goes to Yankee games, like I mentioned. And now the oldest, Jack, has uh, written this comic with him. So, yeah, hoping to have Scott on at some point to talk about yep. kind of the way – this came about like who came up with the idea, you know, how much actual writing did Jack do? Did he do the plotting and you handle the scripting? Like, I'm very, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. But like I was saying earlier, um, the thing that you worry about when you, you really anticipate something and you hope for the sake of the creators that it's good because you know, they, they're doing something special. And then you just hope as a reader, like as a fan, I, I always want to read cool comics. So I read it. I was blown away. I reached out to Rocky. I'm like, Hey, you need to check out this book. Uh, so we can do a review and talk about it. Um, and normally when Rocky and I, if one or the other of us reads a book and we really enjoy it, we'll reach out to the other one and we'll say, hey, make sure you don't miss this. Make sure you check it out. And then we talk we talk about it amongst ourselves, even if we're going to come on and do a review. I spe specifically, purposely, we have not talked between us at all. Like, I have no idea. Uh, I think from what he was saying earlier about Jack being a competent writer, that Rocky enjoyed it as well. Oh, yes. That was terrible. But yeah, purposely, we have not talked about this at all. So with well, that I, just, I wanted to suggest I, I wanted that, you know, whatever inspiration Jack is giving his father or 
or Scott has given his son, I mean, keep up the inspi- inspiration, in, in, you know, inspiring each other because this is this was a very good opening issue. And uh, this is going to be relatively spoiler free, of course, when we review this. But I got to tell you, I'm tempted as hell to spoil the hell out of this. I won't. I'm not going to. I promise. But man, this is great ideas and great title, too, by the way. But yeah, let's let's get yeah. into it. Yeah, fantastic title, which I feel like has so many different meanings when you check out the story. And we, yeah, we're going to be talking about subsequent issues. And when we do talk about those subsequent issues, we'll probably refer back and we will get a little spoilery. Uh, or if we have Scott and or Jack on, we'll probably get spoilery uh, with them as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to try to keep it spoiler free because we want you guys to go and check it out and experience it for yourselves and enjoy it. So let's start, uh, Rocky, with kind of your first impressions. When I told you, hey, there's a great book. It's by Scott Snyder and his son, Jack. Go check it out on their comiXology. Uh, did you have any expectations? Like, what were your initial thoughts? And then give us your reaction after reading it. Uh, you know what? I really didn't have any expectations. I thought it was, I thought it was, um, honestly, if I'm brutally honest, I remember one time, I think it was Jeff Loeb. Uh, the last the last time I heard of a father-son collaboration was Jeff Loeb and his and his 10-year-old son who, who tragically passed. And so it sort of brought back sort of a sad memory. But, and I remember uh, Jeff Loeb's son, uh, the story that he sort of collaborated on with some other creators I thought was very heartfelt. And so I was really curious to see... Uh, where, where, where this is going to go. Uh, I, I actually assume maybe is, is it going to be, for some reason, I assume manga with the younger generation. And I thought, well, maybe Scott's younger, Scott's son is, is into manga. Maybe it's going to be a manga story. I, I had no idea. Because when you said, when you told me that it's called By a Thread, I thought, well, that's, you know, and the funny thing is I thought of Thread, what, a needle? And and sure as heck, needles are involved in this. A needle is a particular term in this story. And so I thought maybe, would it be manga? Would it, what would this be? And uh, I was really pleasantly surprised that this reminds me of a combination of a little bit of manga, a little bit of One Piece. Like I just finished watching on uh, Netflix, the One Piece show, which is kind of a, based on a manga, uh, manga comic book story, which I've not read the comic, but watching the show. And I I love the technology here. I, I love I loved the, 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 the setting. And I, I love the, I, I love the characters. They're vastly a huge variety of characters, and a little, you know, just just the the story itself. So easy to get into, easy to read, uh, and I'm so looking forward to the second issue. And yeah, I, I gotta say, and uh, you know, and and you know, well, I'll, I'll let you take it from there because I I think that reading the synopsis, if you read the solicitation itself, which uh, is is not you know. It's not a spoiler. It just gives you some, uh, you know, some perfunctory uh, information to, to get you going. That that really is is a good setup if you just read the uh, the advertisements itself. But I, I really enjoyed this uh, as a first impression. Boy, man, if this is Jack Snyder's first first uh, comic book story, depending on the degree of influence he had over his dad, I mean, go Jack, go. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I was so impressed with this. I was left wondering, you know, how, again, talking about the division of work, how, how much of the ideas is Jack? How much is Scott? How much scripting did Jack do, if any? Uh, how much, you know, how involved in the process was he? Because here's the thing, like based on the strength of this, depending on how much Jack was involved, d- does Jack aspire to write? Does he aspire to write comics specifically? Uh because, man, this really blew me away. And uh, obviously, he's got a great mentor in his father. And, yeah, comics is one of those things we do see it. It passed down from generation to generation at times. You know, um, we have the third generation, Emma Kubert, uh, Kubert working in comics now. Obviously, 
John Romita Sr., John Romita Jr., and that sort of thing. So, yes, there are plenty of examples of uh, kids who followed in their parents' footsteps uh, and became comic creators. So, um, again, we're going to try to keep it spoiler-free, but just to kind of give you an idea of, of what the story is about. Um, so it starts off, and there's um, this idea of this little square of blackness that just shows up in somebody's backyard one random day. It starts killing things. It spreads very quickly. Uh, and then uh, it's kind of this disaster, right, that is not able to be stopped. They find out the only thing that maybe can stop it is diamond because uh, th this blackness that's spreading, they call it the shroud. <coughs> it's about uh, it's made out of uh, it's carbon based. It's made out of carbon. Uh, diamonds are made out of carbon as well, just super compressed at high heat. And that's the one thing that seems to stop it. Right. So they they have this idea they're going to build like diamond cities, diamond walls to contain it. And that goes about as well as you would expect in terms of uh, diamonds are expensive. Diamonds are hard to get. Uh, you know, only the, the richest of the rich can afford them and, and what have you. And so everything sort of falls apart. Then we jump 13 years later and we uh, we meet um, Joe and Cannon. Um, Cannon uh, raises um, livestock. His family has a farm. Um, and Joe is his friend who's sort of a mentor protector. He's the, the um, antagonist of the story. But uh, we get this incredible um, two-page spread that shows that the shroud has basically covered the entire earth. And those that um, are still alive, they've built these what's, are, what's called needles on the, the diamond stumps that were installed which were supposed to hold, uh, support the diamond cities, right? So the diamonds can be sort of um, planted in the shroud. They don't get eaten away by the shroud, which seems to eat everything else and, and kind of devour it. Um, and so they build these these shanties, basically, um, out of whatever materials they, they could that uh, don't actually touch the shroud because they, they would, building materials, what have you, would get eaten away. But because they're on these diamond stumps, um, they're able to survive. So they, they have to have hanging gardens and, you know, raise livestock and what have you above ground. And we learn about the different needles, you know, uh, needle one is, uh, you know, maybe it's the technology or the engineering needle, and then you have the farming needle, and then you have the security needle and that sort of thing. So these little communities, but this community, they're not really in contact. There's no like radio contact or any way to contact anyone else. They're, they have to be self-sufficient because um, they're not really in contact with anyone else. You can't really travel um, and so it's sort of a barter system and, and through the dialogue and the story, we, we kind of, you know, learn what people expect and some take advantage of others and, and what have you. And, uh, there's a great scene where, uh, Joe and Cannon are traveling from one needle to another, which they do by these, uh, these threads, thus the, by, by the thread, right. And they're kind of like zip lines, so to speak, but very dangerous. And when, Something Cannon is carrying, he drops it. We see Joe is very uh, physically adept. He's very capable, but he has like a mechanical arm or something. It's not clear exactly, um, but he, he does some things to help Cannon out. And uh, again, that's the first hint that we get of this uh, by a thread, right? We're, we're talking about the threads that connect the, um, the different needles uh, between one another. So it's, it's an absolutely fantastic scene. It was really cool. Reminded me a little bit of Skyward, the image series from uh, Joe Henderson and company, uh, where there it's gravity's 10% of what it used to be. And so it's very dangerous to travel between 
buildings. Um, so yeah, I got a little bit of that vibe. Uh, we go and meet some of Joe and Cannon's friends, kind of the younger generation that have grown up in this uh, sort of post-apocalyptic environment. We hear and learn the things they're trying to do to, um, to make things better. Uh, some of them want to go out sort of exploring um, because there's a rumor that there is um, a place they can go that's safe where the shroud won't get them and they'll actually be on land. Um, so that uh, enters in, which brings about some, uh, again, like all throughout the story, I was constantly reminded of other things, uh, which I, it just feels like influences from so many different stories and movies and comics and what have you that come together um, in a way I've never seen before. So it feels really, really refreshing. Um, so in the midst of that, in the midst of um, doing this bartering errand that uh, Cannon's parents sent them on, the needle they're on is attacked by Karen, who is basically uh, named after, you know, the boatman on the river sticks. Um, and he's basically the kind of this warlord who's, who travels around the shroud on a, a ship with the diamond hull, who's supposed to supposedly like the protector. It's like the mob, right? You're paying protection money. And this guy says he's, I'm protecting you from things that you don't even know are out there. They're so bad, but he believes that the people that live on the needle are betraying him. Uh, for a particular reason that we won't get into too much because we don't want to spoil. Uh, and so he's kind of flexing his muscles, showing that, you know, he's the boss. They they sort of survive uh, because he allows them to. Uh, we get a, a chance to see his first mate, who's named Ren, um, which is, again, really interesting, r brings to mind another property that I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, but very formidable, very dangerous. Um, and then... Karen himself shows up and talks to the the younger kids here and they convince him they don't know what the heck he's talking about. He goes away, says, okay, well, um, you better not be holding out on me, basically. And then on the last couple pages, we get Joe uh, kind of thinking about the state of things and um, what a precarious, uh, basically, existence they have. We get a little bit of hints um, about what may have happened to him how he lost his parents, how he ended up there uh, because he does seem to um, have some scars where it looks like he was uh, affected by the shroud at some point. Everybody else we saw that got even the tiniest bit of the shroud on them got like eaten away. So why did he survive? Uh, and what there's some hints that maybe his parents knew a way to stop the shroud or were working on a way to stop the shroud. I'm just not really sure about that. So it remains to be seen. And then there's a, a final page reveal that calls back to some of the other things that are mentioned earlier um, that's really fantastic sort of a cliffhanger ending and opens up a, a whole lot of possibilities. So I, again, I know we're being purposely vague, but we just want to give you some idea of the story. Hopefully that'll get you interested in, uh, in checking it out because yeah, really, really fantastic. So I'm going to run down a bunch of the stories and ideas and what have you that this reminded me of, and we'll see if any of them, uh, sounded familiar to you as well, Rocky. So I got a little bit of like Ready Player One. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but with them I have, living, yeah. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, that, yeah, that's. I'm glad you made that example. I got a little bit of One Piece and yeah. uh, Ready Player One uh, combination too. Yeah, and uh, for some reason, uh, Karen, the 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 villain who hint there's some hints that maybe he's an anti-hero maybe he's not so much a villain but i got a, i got some hints that he was he almost reminded me like a like a 
a more cool version of Skeletor, a combination between Skeletor and Terminator, which I thought was kind of cool. So I'd really like to talk to uh, 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 young Jack uh, Jack Snyder to see uh, to see what the inspiration was behind the villain, uh, if in fact it really is the villain of the piece. Um, uh, without going into spoilers, the character work here is fantastic. I, I love the characterizations already in the first issue. The uh, you mentioned, of course, that this so many questions arise from this world. This world is surrounded by this shroud, and the only way, the only thing that can pierce this shroud, this shroud that eats up the world, is is diamond. And uh, the the of of course, the world doesn't get along well enough. Everybody, the 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 rich and the poor, the rich seem to hoard. A lot of the diamonds, it's suggested, although there's rumors of a place where the rich may live and the poor, of course, live on these needles piercing out of the out of the out of the shroud, which is surrounds the planet and all these characters and they're very different looking characters, all of them living on these different needles. The one needle is an agricultural needle where they do all their, of course, their agricultural and they're growing in their food. Uh, food stuff and what have you. There's an engineering needle. One one deals with defense. One deals with geology, and we meet we meet characters. We meet a, a hunter from on the, from the defense needle. We meet muscles, who's a machinist on the engineering needle. We hear of a doctor book, and we 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 meet all these characters. And then there's of course the lead character Joe himself, who is uh, friends with. Uh, uh, is friends with Charlie, who's a potential love interest, and and he's he's also got his buddy Cannon, and it's Cannon's parents who we meet uh, at the beginning, and and that sort of sets them off on their adventure at the beginning of the story as it carries on. And there's nothing better than when you got good character work, good dialogue, good conversation, and it carries you forward into a plot, and then boom, it's like you get to that third portion, that last portion of the comic where the action and the and the you know what hits the fan action packed with with uh revelations more than one revelation here and i'm asking all the right questions and i'm i'm really looking for uh, i i want to know what the answer is i hope scott snyder is not offended when i say this that i kind of like this better than um <laughs> some of his other work we've reviewed uh and i i loved canary i loved uh, dudley uh, was it dudley dumore uh uh, I, I enjoyed that one. There was Canary, and we, there's uh, his, yeah, uh, had, his uh, horror, uh, Night of yeah, the Ghoul. Are, yeah. yeah, yeah, Night of the Ghoul. Yeah. Uh, we are demons. Um, yeah, D- Dudley. I can't. Yeah, Forever, whatever. Dudley yeah. Dotson and the Forever Machine. Right. Uh, uh, Barnstormers was fantastic. Right. I love I mean, Barnstormers, yeah. right? But what? But I think what this has, what I like the most of all, is this seems to be of all of them. This is the most fun. This yeah. is really, this feels the most fun, even more fun than the Dudley Datsun or whatever it was. <laughs> but I, I, I am genuinely surprised. And I got to tell you, sometimes I can be, I'm, I'm an older white guy and I can be a little hard on the present generation, but I got to tell you, if this is, uh, if, uh, Jack Snyder's renewed my faith in humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing, right? There's, it's not just that it's fun. There's an energy here, you know? And I think part of that goes back to, like I said, it it feels inspired by so many different things. You you mentioned manga earlier. And I think I've I've heard Scott's told me, or I've read somewhere because he's told others or in interviews or what have you, that his kids are very much into manga. So you do feel a little bit of that influence. I'm not familiar with One Piece. Obviously, I know it's blown up on Netflix, and I, I'm very familiar. That's a very popular manga. Yeah, I, I mentioned Ready Player One, certainly with the stacks there and the needles here. 
Um, the other thing, you know, when you're talking about searching for like a mythical dry land or a, a place, it's a it's it's a little bit of a trope in sci-fi. You know, I think about zombie movies where they're trying to get to the place, you know, whether it's Walking Dead or um, uh, what is it? 30 uh, is it 30 days after or 30 days later or whatever right, 30, yeah. those movies are. Uh, but also uh, Waterworld, right? Like there's the myth in Waterworld and the girl has the tattoo on her. It's supposed to tell them where dry land is, that sort of thing. So. It reminded me, you know, a little bit of that. I wonder how much that was an influence. And then another, you know, we mentioned water. You're a little older than me, Rocky, so maybe you don't remember. And it was a cartoon I thought that was absolutely fantastic. It was a cartoon that was just made to sell toys, like so many of them are, He-Man, G.I. Joe, whatever. But it's called Pirates of Dark Water. So obviously we have the shroud here, which is black. So it reminded me that they had dark water in that show, and it was kind of set in a fantasy world. And the dark water was corrosive. But the other thing that brought that to mind was the main character in the cartoon pirates of dark water was named Ren. He was the protagonist. Uh, here we had a villain named Ren spelled the same way to REN. So, you know, I was already thinking pirates of dark water a little bit, and then that showed up and it like really brought it to mind. Now Jack's way too young to, to know, but I wonder if Scott at all is familiar with that. Uh, I know there are other comic creators that are huge, um, Pirates of Dark Water fans, V. Ken Marion, the artist who's fantastic, is, a, is we talk about Pirates of Dark Water all the time because it's so fantastic. So that, it, you know, that brought to mind. And then, you know, when you're talking about post-apocalyptic, when you're talking about survival, whatever, like one of the most beloved properties is Mad Max, right? And there's a, there's a little bit of a Mad Max feel as well with these people that are just struggling and they're trying to survive. Um, but that being said, although there are a few tropes, like, you know, trying to find that myth, mythical um, – place where you'll be safe. Um, it feels fresh mashing all these ideas together. Oh, one other that I'll mention uh, that it reminded me of a little bit as well, maybe partly because Scott Snyder, his Noctera series with Tony Daniel and the oh, influence is there, yeah. right? That, Good point. That Noctera, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Noctera series, a, a lot of that, you know, you were talking about Jack giving you hope for the younger generation. <laughs> that Noctera series is very much, dri you know, driven. The hope there is driven by, Mal and uh, or Val rather, and and her, her brother, and they're um, really hoping to kind of fix the world, fix the darkness, and what have you. They're, they are the hope, right? It feels the same way here, right? Like we're we're introduced to Cannon's parents, but they're not really they don't have a lot of agency, you know. Again, we just see them very briefly, but he, but the other adult, the other older characters, whether it's um, um, what's his name, Pin Pinnacle, was that his name? The the other um. The, yeah. the trader, basically. Yeah. Um, Pindle. 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 That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't he's not doesn't exactly come across, you know, in a positive way. It's the younger generation, the younger characters in the story that you identify with that fill you with a sense of hope that that maybe they can make things better uh, because there is a, a sense that humanity is barely hanging on here. So that that for me resonated in the same way that it did in the Noctera series where you're looking to the younger generation to really kind of save humanity, if you will. Uh, so yeah, a lot of different influences and more than anything, like, like you said, Rocky, it's, a, it's fun and there's an energy to it. And I think it's probably because Scott probably had more fun working on this than he's ever had working on anything. Cause he got to work on it with Jack. Jack's got the youthful excitement. First time he's ever working on a comic, he's doing it with his dad, no better mentor. I'm sure he's putting his all into it. And when, when you do that, when you do that as a creative team, as a writer, and you provide that script to the artist, the artist feels that, right? Like the artist can feel the energy. I'm sure when they got on and spoke to uh, Valeria about the 
the project. They could, she could feel the energy. Um, so no surprise that she then brought excitement and energy and really beautiful kinetic artwork, beautiful colors. Um, and decapitations. She knows how to draw some serious decapitations. There's some darkness in this story. You know, I mean, I, I don't want I think it's important to note that just because I, I don't want people to be fooled here. I mean, uh, you know, Scott Snyder might have his son join him on this. But, you know, there's there's a lot. The, when we talk about this being a fun comic, it's fun. But this has violence in it. And oh, yeah. it has horror in it, really. And even the even the, one of the main villains, the Ren that you referred to, what, what it describes what she went through to become Ren sounds absolutely horrifying. And and again, that that's something that you also see in One Piece. You see that in manga. You see these really often you see a lot of horrific origins, but grounded in a story that's often very fun and, and kinetic. And that's what I, I get a strong sense here. And, you know, these villains here in this piece, uh, who, who we believe are villains, uh, are just as uh, terrifying as the, as the main, as the good guys are uh, wholesome and, uh, you know, heroic. So, you know, again, this has all the hallmarks of, uh, this is what you want in a first issue that, something that pulls you in and looks for looking, looking forward to the second issue. Yeah. It's so much fun to read, pulls you in. Uh, like you said, you feel that energy. One of the th uh, thing about Noctera too, uh, you know, we know the darkness in Noctera kind of mutates things and they get, they become this dark version. There are rumors where don't get anything concrete because even the characters in this story don't know, but there, they mentioned there are rumors that there are actually things out there living in the shroud, you know, hints, Karen himself uh, hints at it. Um, that yeah, there are things that have sort of mutated and are now living out there in the shroud. So what kind of monsters are those, right? Like uh, it's crazy. And then a lot of the other things that we'd like to talk about, again, are really spoilery and we don't want to get into them. But when you get to those uh, couple of things that are revealed on the last couple pages, it just, it opens up a whole new avenue of where the story can go. And even Joe himself, the main character, he uh, his, his last line, is so perfect uh and it really it's such a it's such a great not necessarily a cliffhanger but just a, a way to end the first issue where it leaves you wanting more right uh and so it leaves you with the sense of hope and it leaves the characters with a sense of hope that's what's and that, and so we're not just i know you and i sound like broker neckers because we're always talking about hope in the context of dc comics but we want that we want to experience joy in all the comics we read if we can and this to me it has that and the easter eggs and again we're i'm not going to spoil anything you've already alluded to it there's payoff here there's payoff there's connections from the beginning of the book that pay off at the end and that's just the opening issue yeah and again it makes me wonder how you know how was this planned out in terms of the, you know, the pacing and where the story is going to go, because you, you mentioned it being a great example of a first issue. Very, it does a very good job of establishing the status quo. Like let us understand what the state of the world is and how these people are barely surviving. Then give us some action and then give us something where it looks like the story can go in any number of directions, but you feel like you've got a good solid chunk of story. I mean, it's over 40 pages, I think here digitally, mm -hmm. Um, so you feel like, yeah, I got a big chunk of story, uh, but man, the momentum where I can't wait to read more. So, I mean, just a fantastic job. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if if Jack does decide to go into comics, I hope he, he takes these lessons to heart uh, of working with his father because mm -hmm. I say it all the time, 
the hardest thing, and I've talked to other creators and even people that work in other media, very successful actors and novelists and what have you, that uh, migrate over to comics. And the thing that they even have told me that's most challenging is it's the pacing, right? It, you have less real estate, especially as compared to doing something live action, less real estate than uh, writing prose where you can kind of spoon feed the reader a little bit. Um, you you have a limited amount of real estate here because of the art. You know, you want the art to help tell the story, but you also can't show everything. Uh, you have to choose what story beats you're going to show. So this is just perfectly paced, uh, beautifully colored by Whitney Kogar. Um, yeah, I... I want to say is nearly perfect first issue. I mean, a lot of times we review books, right? And we go, yeah, you know, I, I'm nitpicking, but I'm going to point this out that didn't work. I, I can't find anything to nitpick. I can't find anything to nitpick. You know, I don't want to go so far as to say it's a perfect comic because you should always strive, you know, to do better and, and that sort of thing. And there's always room for improvement, but I, 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 there's nothing to nitpick here. I can't think of a single thing about this that I could nitpick. Like it's that good. I cannot yeah. recommend it highly enough. Uh, not to be negative, Rocky, but I mean, any, can you think of anything where you're like, oh, well, I wish you done No. Uh, well, uh, if I if I give a very intentionally sarcastic answer, can I nitpick? <laughs> These characters are very different looking characters. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, you get these huge, you get, you get like uh, the machinist is this huge hulking like character. And then you get the, and then you get uh, Charlie, who is like the, the love interest to, to Joe and Joe's, Joe's, I mean, you got, it's a diverse cast. It's diverse. It's like, you, you can almost tell like this, they're all different nationalities. It's very diverse. And yet they're all friends. They all know each other. There's kinship there. There's caring. And then there's, and then there's battles. And then you got like, you got the bad guys and you got and with an agenda and they're secretive and there's there's terror and there's horror and there's hope and there's there's humor and uh, there's even loss and tragedy. And uh, I'm telling you, this has a little bit of everything and all in 40 pages. You know, I got to tell you, you know, when, you know, uh, you, you and I reviewed DC and uh, and and. When I see stuff like this, and uh, I say this with the highest amount of respect to Jack Snyder, man, I'm going to, I feel like, you know, collectively giving Marvel and DC a swat across their uh, metaphorical faces and saying, look, man, if, if this kid can do this with the guidance of, a, of his professional writer father, uh, you know, what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, we say it all the time, independent is where it's at these days in terms of just the energy of story and original ideas and what have you. It's so much of it, I feel, is the fact that so many successful creators, they don't want to give their best ideas over to, to Marvel and DC because – why should they? When you see guys like you know Kirkman, you know Walking Dead making millions and millions of dollars, it's like I'm not. If I I, I don't blame them. If I was in their shoes, I'd be doing the same thing. I'm going to save the best ideas for for stuff I own. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you know Disney, uh, AT&T, Warner Brothers, Discovery, whatever, whoever you want to call out on it. You're if you want to have like energetic stories, if you want your um, your IPs to continue to to kind of move the needle. And you're not just going to rely on the fact that people still buy your stuff because they love those characters. You need to offer like profit sharing. You need to offer like IP sharing or whatever, because why should a creator, you know, share their best ideas on a Spider-Man book or a Batman book or whatever, because they don't own those characters. They're not going to share in the, you know, the spoils of that. Mm -hmm. um, that that's the, that's the future. If you want those books to, to compete, otherwise, 
it's going to be kind of the same old thing where these characters that have been around for decades and decades and decades, while we love them, you know, I love Superman. He's my favorite character. I love Iron Man. I love Spider-Man. I love Hulk. Um, but at this point, it's like, man, they've been around for decades. You know how hard it is to tell an original story? It doesn't call back to something that came before, you know? Um, <laughs> and I mentioned all the influences that I kind of see in this story. But the other thing that I think was done so fantastically by Scott and Jack was they took all those influences. And I'm just guessing. Again, I haven't talked to them. I don't know if specifically any of those things influenced them. Maybe some of them influenced them subconsciously. I don't know. But they they – they took that, and if those are the influences, they took that, they melded them together, and they've got something fresh and new and fun and exciting and compelling. And I, yeah, I, I cannot wait to read more. And I'm so, so happy for Jack and Scott um, that they got a chance to do this and that it's so good. And it's got to be getting great reviews. I can't, again, I can't, I can't even nitpick anything. It's just so damn good. Yeah. So. Oh, it's. It's good. You know, I mean, I, we, we don't want to be accused of being shills here, but uh, I'm trying to think of something that I don't like about this story. And I and, and I can't. I mean, maybe if if the if, if you're not into manga style art, but the art has the art has a little bit of every style. Even the art is, you know, kudos to Valeria. V, v, what is it? Varokia or yeah, Favokia? So Fafokia, art and cover. I mean, it's, it's really good. Uh, we should maybe give a shout out to Tom Napolitano on letters. Uh, you've, of course, on these uh, on the spoiler free, we've blotted out the letters, but uh, kudos to him on the, for the lettering. Uh, but overall, I mean, just on the colors, as you said, I mean, the colors, in, in order to show this earth that's covered by this black shroud all over the surface, that one page, which is uh, on the screen right now, showing the needles popping out of the earth is absolutely an epically beautiful page. The colors, the Shading is absolutely perfect. Look at the uh, sun and the way it glints off the diamond portions. Like it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. Because yeah. again, diamonds do play an important part of the story. That's something that's got to, it's got to have its own inner light, right? I mean, that's the whole idea of why diamonds are expensive, especially flawless diamonds, because the way the light bounces back and forth between yeah. all the different angles of everything. And it looks like, like it, it has a light source of its own. Whitney Cogar, the color, she captures that in these uh, pages and yeah, I can't yeah. give enough uh, credit to her. So yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous art. Wonderful book to look at. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to add? I mean, uh, yeah. I don't you, think so. You, I mean, if, 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 if we don't, if we don't end this uh, very positive review quick, I'm going to, we're going to go into spoiler territory and I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. hundred yeah, percent. So again, uh, it gets our highest recommendation, everybody. Uh believe me scott's not paying us to, to do this yeah. uh we wanted to do it we wanted to talk about it because again it's just such a great book uh and yeah i can't wait for other people to check it out i can't wait i know a lot of people uh dig scott's work uh that he's doing at comiXology but they're just not into digital they won't check this out until it hits print and that's fine if you want to wait until there's a print version i'm going to buy the print version because i you know i want this i may uh, I may wait for a collection. I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet, but we'll see. I probably who are, who are we kidding? I'll buy the singles and I'll probably buy the collection because it's so good and I just want it. Um, but if, if you're not a digital reader, man, I re make an exception. I, I, this is so good. I really don't think you want to wait. You want to jump on it now uh, and check it out and be able to interact with uh, Scott online and other fans and talk about it because uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, as we're winding down here, I want to thank everybody for joining us as always. Don't forget to subscribe to Rocky's channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, 
Um, be sure you subscribe, leave some comments below. Tell us what you liked about the story. Uh, ring the notification bell so you know when new content comes out. Uh, if you are listening uh, on to the audio-only version from the comic source, again, head over to YouTube, leave some comments, interact, let us uh, know your thoughts. Uh, and if you are watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed to the comic source, please do so. Go to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the comic source feed so you don't miss any of the audio-only content that we put out. A lot of my creator interviews only come out uh, audio-only. Uh, but we love talking comics. Uh, we do the DC Spotlight every week, Rocky and I on Tuesdays. That does have spoilers, so be aware. Uh, we try to keep this one spoiler-free, but you all have told us you want uh, full spoilers for the DC books, so uh, so that's what we do. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for joining. We re really appreciate the support. Uh, anything to add, Rocky? Uh, just a, thank, a hefty thank you uh, for, for, to you, Chase, for putting this on my radar and asking me to review this with you. I, I quite enjoyed it. It was one of the, it was the best read of this week. It was the best comic I read this week, possibly this month. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, again, thanks everybody for joining us. We appreciate the support as always, and we will talk to you next time. Catch you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.